This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Your episode is one that people have been really asking for a ton. And so I'm really, I mean, you have Yori and then, yeah, it's like people really need to hear it. So I was just like, let's just, let's go for it. So, um, I hope I can like help people in the best way. That's what I've been praying for. Like I, you know, it takes a lot of guts, I think, and hopefully, um, a lot of respect for my husband's because he's not able to share his story. Right. So it's, it's taken a lot to like be okay with this. So I, I'll do my best. <laughs> let's, let's go ahead and jump in. Um, so let's start with, tell me a little bit about you and your, your story. Give us some context there. Tell me a little bit about like your faith journey. Um, I know you kind of, you know, went through your own stuff and I'd love to hear kind of some background about your story. And then I'd love to jump into, you know, this is a unique episode because it's, you know, we're talking about, you know, your spouse and, and you and kind of that dynamic. And we've had a lot of questions from, um, from listeners. Okay. So, um, I just want to say that like everybody's story is different and anything that I might say here, um, it's purely my opinion and my experience. So I just, I never want to offend anyone or hurt anyone's feelings. So if I say something, you know, that's not my intention. I, um, grew up in a large family. I had really great parents. Gosh, I'm already getting emotional. Like what the heck? I had always had such a faith and testimony of the gospel. Maybe not always, you know, as strong as say now, but I remember like going to baptisms and like crying because I felt the spirit so strong. I just was such a sensitive soul, I guess. And, and I always knew you know, the gospel was true, but, um, there came a time and I do think this is pertinent to, to say in my story that when I was about 15, I had a, a Sunday school teacher ask, you know, do you guys know that the church is true? Like you guys should pray about it. And so I prayed about it. And that next week during sacrament, I had the most spiritual experience I've ever had in my entire life. It was like, so so strong. And so like, I don't even have answers to everything that was there. Um, And I still have questions, but no matter what, I knew that the church was true. I knew that Joseph Smith was a true prophet. I knew that the scriptures, um, the prophets, everything encompassing temples, families, all the great values that the church has. There was no doubt in my mind from that day forward that this was true. And I have never faltered from that because of my experience I had that day. And I remember looking around being like, is every, like, is this, can anybody else feel this? And like, I didn't get to see anything, but I felt so much that I knew. So I had that experience and, um, me and my husband, we, we met in a singles ward, um, in ASU and we got married pretty quickly. I was just out of high school. You know, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about that. And I definitely felt that I constantly, every time I faltered was like, 
I shouldn't do this. Like, I'm so young. I'm barely 19. Like, why am I getting married? My answer was so strong to marry him. And every time I faltered, I felt like angels, like pushing me along, like, no, this is what you need to do. And so I really did feel like this was exactly what I needed to be doing was getting married to my, my husband. And we were married in the temple, the Mesa, Arizona temple. Uh, fast forward a couple kids and we were living in a ward and my husband met a friend. He, you know, would hang out with him and he was, they were just having good chats. So I thought, and this, this friend kind of, and again, I'm talking for my husband. So, you know, from my perspective, this is my perspective, of course, this friend kind of brought some doubt into him and had him look a little bit further, kind of gave him some links to look at things. We actually had been moving out of state at that point. So we moved out of state. Fast forward a year or two, I just had my third baby. We lived in a state, Austin, Texas. I knew one person through online, like I didn't know anyone. So she was even like 30 minutes away. So I didn't really know her, but I kind of did. So I felt very isolated, different place. Anyways, I had my third third baby. It was a rough delivery. Um, so I was trying to just heal from that and try to gather having a third child and and all that all the things that go along with that. And um, my husband didn't renew his temple recommend. And I said, Hey, you need to renew it. Actually, I had said that before he, before I had my baby, he was like, okay, yeah. And he just wouldn't. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, why wouldn't he renew his temple recommend? So after I had my baby, I was like, you really need to do that. Like, I'm like, what's going on? You know, there's, you know, is there something going on? And so that's kind of how it started where he had doubts and he kind of just kept it to himself for a little while. It just kind of all came out. We had to go through that, but and also our marriage was struggling. We had a lot to work on on our marriage. And so it was like my health and his faith crisis and our marriage and everything was in shambles. <laughs> like when he told you that, how did you feel? Cause I'm sure you were probably just like, whoa. When he told me, um, and it's so funny, this has been, it's seven years. So it's been quite a while. And I feel like I have to go back into that space, which is kind of weird because it has been so long. I don't remember exactly, um, but I do remember feeling a lot of pain and a lot of um, like anger towards the person that kind of brought these things to him that I feel Mm -hmm. like, and, you know, he had said, you know, I, I always had some thoughts and, you know, throughout his life, he kind of had some questions that he kind of put on a shelf. I don't know for him. I can't speak for him, but I, I know his perspective or his story might be a little bit different, but from my perspective, I felt very angered towards this person that I feel like led away my husband from the church. Mm. Like I literally felt like my whole life was gone because like I said, I was dealing with so many really hard things at one time. Um, It was a really dark place and it was really hard. I felt like I had the world on my shoulders. I'm trying to like make my marriage work and trying to help my husband. And that's, that's the thing that actually I did wrong. And in actually trying to help him, I pushed him more away. 
we'd have these conversations and it would just bring so much contention in the room. And, you know, we'd just be fighting because I'm like, no, like this, this, this. And he's just like, no, like you don't understand. You don't get it. Like you don't, you know? And so I was coming at it as like, I'm trying to prove him wrong. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm going to tell you because you don't know. And so I learned really quick that, um, you don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. And so I, I had to, you know, just take a step back. And I actually like, looked, I looked at the CES letter. I looked at some of the stories that he was, um, looking at from people that had left the church and he was gravitating to those kinds of people. Cause he felt like it was similar to him because I wanted an understanding of what was going on. It was just mm-hmm. such a whirlwind. I was like, I was just trying to understand it and get a handle over it. I think that because I have never had a faith crisis, I'm never going to understand them fully. You know, he told me he had like anger and like resentment and these, a lot of these really big emotions with the church and, and I've never had those feelings. So I can't say, you know, what it's like, but I can say in my perspective as a spouse and trying to, to make everything work and, and make our marriage work because our foundation was the temple. We got married in the temple Mm -hmm. and we went to church every week and we went to the temple together and we did family home evening and we taught our children these values. And you're going through all of this stuff and then your husband's having a faith crisis. And I imagine that like where you want to be like, typically the gospel is such a light and during like rough times in life. And I imagine that like having that happen at the same time with your husband is extremely, I just can only imagine what, you know, what that would have been like to have kind of that, that darkness surrounding, you know, your, your testimony and your marriage. So I think the hardest part was I had no family, no friends. So I grew up in Arizona. And, um, that's where we were married. And I knew everyone. Cause that was just, I'd lived there, you know, my whole mm-hmm. life and I knew no one. So I couldn't even like, you know, sure. I could call my parents or my sister-in-law. I would call sometimes, but they're really, honestly, it's such an isolating, um, trial. Yeah. Um, it's really hard. Like I actually just told one of my really close friends that I was going to do this podcast and she didn't even know about it. Like, it's just not a conversation. And it's not that I'm scared to tell anyone. It's really like, you have to just say it. Like it's not a conversation and it's not like, you know, my husband doesn't have cancer. So nobody knows like that he's struggling and nobody knows like really what's going on. So I really felt like not only was I isolated, but no one knew anything that I was feeling. Even my friend that I had, I had mentioned that I just said, she's like, I have no idea what that feels like. And it's true. It's such a unique feeling, but there was an angel put in my place, um, that I am super grateful for. And it was a Bishop. He probably saved my marriage and my life. Like I was just in such a dark place for so long. It's not that I ever wavered from the gospel and it's not like I I was clinging to the savior. That is the only reason that I'm here today. You know, this was four years in 
And I'm, I was still like, it was just as fresh as it happened yesterday. And I'm sitting there, you know, trying to have, you know, teach my children and I'm doing everything. You know, my husband doesn't do anything. And as far as the gospel, I know that Heavenly Father knew that I couldn't go on without just a, an angel put in my place. And he came from the perspective of his dad was um, left the church. And so he saw his mom struggle but he had the best communication and the most compassion that I have ever, I have ever experienced from a male or even just a bishop. He was exactly who I needed, and I could call him, talk to him, text him at any moment. It didn't matter if it was in the middle of the night, which I never did. But it was so great to feel like I had someone earthly on my side. You know, I never felt like I didn't have Heavenly Father and Jesus and angels there with me. But to have someone physically there that I felt like was in my corner and rooting for me and listening to me, because that was the hardest part. It was like, I'm feeling all these feelings and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with all this stuff. I have even talked to, you know, other people in the, leaders and they, they just don't have an understanding. And yeah. so I was seeking like just some type of connection because right. I just needed to connect to be able to get through it. And so having him there was like, I know that my marriage and my life is because of him. And that sounds funny, but it, he really truly just gave me a, a listening ear Mm -hmm. And he loved me with everything. And so I felt like it was like the savior was in front of me and I just felt all the good things and validated. And so then I could move through this, this hard thing. My health started getting better. Um, that was a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic, but I had some major, major health issues that I had to work through at the same time as all this. And our marriage started getting better. It, it feels like I just hit rock bottom and my foundation was completely gone and, and heavenly father rebuilt it up for me. Uh, like he took everything. I felt like he took everything from me, everything that was good. My marriage, you know, like my marriage, my health, everything was gone. And so I feel like he made it even better than I could have wow. imagined. And I don't know if that's everyone's story. And that's why I'm hard. Like, I don't know if that's going to be your story, but I do hope that this is everyone's story that he can rebuild us to be even better and greater and have more joy than I have ever imagined. Yeah, for sure. And I think like, because your husband is still not in the church, correct? My husband never took out his, um, like he's still a member. So he does still go to church with us. Um, I kind of have a unique story and I have heard from, you know, other spouses that, uh, or women or, or men that have different experiences. But for my husband, I kind of just sat him down and was like, if you want to still be married, like this is my boundary, you're going to come to church with me or we're not going to make it. Like I can't, you don't have to believe, but I need your help. I can't be like a single mom in church. It's just, I just can't do it, you know, because I felt like, so when we, yeah. um, when, everything first happened, it was like the dust settled and we were kind of trying to figure things out. Like I said, with my health and our relationship and everything. And then about four years in, he kind of was pushing some more boundaries, like stop wearing his garments, like things didn't happen overnight. And that's something mm -hmm. that 
I do believe say I've seen Satan work in that it's little bit by little bit. It doesn't happen all at once, at least in my experience. You know, he stopped wearing his garments and he was like, I don't want to go to church. And we had actually moved back to Arizona at this time. Actually, it was kind of in between. Uh, we were still in Austin and then we were going to Arizona. And I felt like he was just going to keep pushing boundaries until I told him to stop. I don't know. Like I said, I didn't want to be a single mom at church. And so I was like, dude, you can decide, you know, that is totally up to you what you want to do. But I'm telling you what I'm feeling. And this is, this is a boundary for me. And so he comes to church. I wanted to just like get some context, you know, for um, where he was at today, because I think that like you, you said, you know, I don't know if this is everyone's story and I don't know, but I think the the thing is like, for you, like the ideal case scenario would be for your husband to like restore his faith and like come back. But like, you're saying that like, yeah, it's not the perfect scenario, but you have been given like this huge gift of peace. And like you actually, like, even though your husband isn't like a hundred percent, like, yes, like I'm back, like, let's go. He, you still are in a place where you mentioned that like, Hey, like my whole foundation was rebuilt and I'm in such a better place and my life is so much better. And I think that's, I don't know, that just struck me as really incredible that like you can recognize all of the miracles in this, even though maybe it wasn't exactly what you had hoped for it to be. You know what I mean? And see, like I had this whole plan. I'm glad you brought that up. And I might need you to ask me that question again, because there was like three things shooting through my head at this time. So I had this plan, like we got married in the temple. We're going to like, you know, raise our children. We're going to die and be happy, like live for eternity. Right. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was supposed to marry my husband. And I did question. I'm like, was I supposed to marry him, have a couple kids, and then we're done? Like, is that really what you were wanting me to do? You know, like, and there was a lot of questions and trying to figure that out. What in actuality is that, you know, I was like, this was our foundation. Like, this is how we're supposed to live our life. Like, I was putting it in a box. Right. And Heavenly Father's like, no, no, no. That's not how life works. <laughs> he He took me into a place, and I had so much learning in this experience. Like, so much learning that could only be through this experience. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, I will mention, and I didn't know if we were going to get to mention that I have a grandma. My grandma has a very similar situation as I, Um, she was married and her in the temple and her husband never went to church again. Hers is different. I often rely on her and ask her for help and strength all the time. So I'm super grateful that I have an ancestor on my side on the, on the other side. Mm -hmm. I just had these expectations and it's like, God made it so much better. You know, if we were just doing the same old, same old thing, like what would my life look like then? Not to say that everything's perfect because it's not, but he made it so much better than I could have ever imagined. Like, right. And again, my parent, my marriage is not perfect, but my marriage is good and we have struggles, but it's really good. I'm just glad that I stuck it out. And I don't know if that's for everyone because that's where, you know, your situation might be different than mine. I am glad I took it out as much as I kind of wanted to just give up because we have such a sweet marriage and I'm really lucky to, to have him and, and to know that I can be married to someone that isn't in the church. Like that was never a cross in my mind. Like, you know, in young women's, like you're making these lists of these 
of these spouses and you're putting all these like a really strong testimony and like taking you to the temple and like, you know, all these dreams that you have and my dreams are shattered. But Heavenly Father is making my dreams come true in just a very different way. Mm-hmm. And also my husband has agency and I have agency. We're different people when we're than when we are married. And so like there's just so many aspects and flowing things. And one thing that I actually just got recently, it was like, and that was another part of what I was going to say is that I was putting eternity in a box mm. just because my husband is struggling right now. And just because, um, you know, he is where he's at right now, or like our situation right now, or where it was five years ago, it doesn't mean that that situation is going to be like that always. Right. And that's what I think. I, I always think of like, this is always going to be this way. I, I like, I can't do this. But in reality, it's not always that way. And I was putting a box on eternity and eternity is not, it's forever. It doesn't stop. So you're always going to be progressing. You're always going to be going forward. That is why we're here. And so whether my husband never joins the church again, I might be okay with, I still hope and I still pray. You know, I've noticed some little things recently and I don't know where he's at in all honesty there sometimes is an elephant in the room and it's not that we just like kind of put it away. Like we don't need to have the the religious conversation because it can bring contention. So we just kind of do our life without that conversation sometimes. But I have noticed like back when he stopped wearing garments, like a couple years ago and he stopped doing the, the sacrament and stuff like that. And he stopped raising his hands to sustain people in the ward, but he has, sustain people in the ward. Um, and he started singing the hymns again. I don't know what that means. Do I want to know at this time? I honestly don't because I just want, like, all I'm doing is just praying to see him as heavenly father sees him and to love him as heavenly father loves him and to hope for the best because I have to give him that respect that he can choose. Like that was really hard for me to let go, especially as being like a woman and being in, uh, uh, you know, my, my life has always been like control. And so I kind of like to control. And so mm-hmm. having no control over that, it's been a learning experience in itself. And so, you know, these little milestones of seeing my husband, it's like, if he ever decides to be fully in it and have that testimony, like my joy will be overjoyed and to not be, it's still going to be okay. And I never thought in my time seven years ago that I was going to be okay. Like I was not okay to be okay, but I had to become okay. So like, doesn't matter your situation. You can still be okay in it. And I just rely on heavenly father and Jesus because that's, I mean, this is my life and he has his life and we're, we're working together, but we just kind of have to respect each other. And, you know, that's another thing is like dealing with the kids and what we do. Um, and I know you would ask that question you know, that's going to look so different than for everyone. I just kind of do it. It's all relying on me. And sometimes it feels really heavy. Like Mm -hmm. I have to do all of it, you know, and, and I have to make all the effort. Sometimes he'll make a comment. That's a negative thing. And so having to deal with that. And, and what I've done is that I'll just say later, like, Hey, you know, that is dad, that's dad's perspective, or that's his thoughts and thinking. And here's my thoughts and thinking on it. And so that they can decide for themselves. And quite honestly, I would rather them see the difference or the struggle with maybe like, or differences in our home than outside of the home, because I can, I can help them. I can pray for them more 
you know, it's more of a controlled environment for them than going outside of that, of our home and finding and trying to navigate that outside of the home. Mm-hmm. So. Oh my gosh. You are amazing. I just got to say that. What? You are amazing. What? Like I just have the chills all over. You just ha- dropped some serious truth bombs just barely. <laughs> Like you're gonna make me cry. Just the way that you are able to ex- just accept the what is, like accept what you can't control, and be okay with the fact that Heavenly Father has a plan, and we just don't know. Like maybe He is going through exactly what He needs to go through to be exactly who God wants Him to be. And like if you know, we force our path and we force our way, like that is going to be a hindrance to God's plan, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? I always said, like, if he ever comes back, he's going to be the best missionary. Like, because he will have that perspective. And he's a really good teacher. He is. He did do some, um, like, missionary prep discussions when he was struggling. They put him in that, that position. And he's an amazing teacher. He really is. And so I'm like... If he ever comes back to the church, he's going to be the best missionary there ever was, well, ever is now, because um, I just feel like he would just convert so many people because of his experiences in this. So I know, you know, no matter what happens, it's not for naught. And I do truly believe that I knew and he knew that we would do this together. Yeah. I, oh my gosh, I love that so much. That is so beautiful. Okay. So for this kind of like, second part to this, I want to, um, I'm sure a couple of these questions you may have already touched on. I just want to ask them. So how did you make peace with the fear that their faith crisis would result in you also leaving? Yeah. So my husband actually brought that up. He said that like spouses usually go together or they get divorced. I'm like, well, that's cool. Cause that doesn't look good for me. <laughs> like, statistically everything's against us at this point. That was what was going in my mind because I knew that I would never leave the church because of my experience. I had no doubt in my mind. I couldn't, I can never give up Christ and the church and heavenly father and all my knowledge and testimony. I can't give it up. Can't give Joseph Smith up. Just trusting that took so much and prayer, you know, and, and trying to figure that out. Finding the peace, Christ is our peace. Like that's the only way we're going to find the peace. And I didn't have peace for four years. Like I don't want to like minimize or make it seem like because we have such a short time to share my story. Like it, it was a really hard, long road. Like I was grieving my husband for four years. It was as if he had died. So I don't want to like make this sound like it was something light and easy because it was the hardest thing. And I can say that, but truly every single day I felt like I was grieving my husband. So, um, there was experience and I guess I'm supposed to share this that, um, because I don't know if this is going to happen for everyone, but I continue to, you know, pray and ask heavenly father to take this from me. I didn't want to feel this grief. I didn't want to feel this sadness. I didn't want it felt like a dagger hit my heart every single time he made a comment. He made a comment about his mission. He never made a, a comment about like the temple or mar- our marriage or anything like that. But there was just comments about the church. But I remember specifically about being like his mission and stuff. And it just put a huge dagger in my heart every time. About four years in, 
everything was taken from me. From four to seven years, I'm seven years in, I don't have to deal with the grief and sadness anymore. That's not to say that I have had a couple times when I would feel the grief come in a little bit and I have to feel it because that's what you have to do with grief. Jesus took it from me. And um, I hope and pray that those spouses that are struggling, that he would take it for them too, because it's something that I'd never wish upon anyone to ever have to feel and, and deal with every single day. Cause it is very hard. Wow. So amazing. Okay. So somebody asked, how do you not just panic and want to preach to them every chance you get? Sounds like you kind of like went yeah, so I did the beginning. I did that. I, I, tried to tell him all the things and, and try to change his perspective and tell him all the things that he should be looking at or like anything, you know, I was trying to shove it down his throat. That's not the way, uh, that will absolutely do nothing. It angered my husband even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how this person would react, you know, uh, how do you not do it? A uh, prayer giving it to Christ. Like it, it is, it's like your own journey of, I feel like you are just constantly clinging to the savior with everything and every aspect, because that's really, truly the only way that you can get through life, but also get through this trial. Like I just had to hold my tongue and there's times that he'll say something and I just let it, like, I could just, I'm listening and I say, okay, yeah, but I don't agree with it because if I say something else, it's going to bring contention. So the key is to keep the peace because truly if you're in a, you're yelling at each other or bringing contention, it's not going to do any good. That is for a spouse, a family member, a child, anyone. You really just have to love them. That is the only way. And you can show them your example. Like my husband sees me, you know, and he sees what I do. He sees me reading the scriptures and he sees me praying with the children. And that's really the only thing you can do. You can put their name in the temple. You can fast for them. There's not really anything you could do like to them or for them. They really have to figure it out on their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. How and when did you tell your kids? I haven't told my kids, but I do know that they catch on. My oldest is, he's 13 and between eight and 10, he had mentioned something about, you know, dad not thinking that, or, you know, my husband has said stuff about tithing recently. My husband really struggles with tithing a lot. And so I think they know, but they might not know. Yeah. If that makes any sense. I mean, I haven't felt like I needed to say anything to them per se. They get to see it in front of them and come to their own conclusions. Because if I tell them and put my perspective onto them again, like Mm -hmm. I have to just give them their agency and figure it out. And again, I have the perspective of my dad who had lived in a house where my grandma and grandpa He never went to church and never believed. And my grandma went to church and did all the things. Almost all of my dad's brothers, he only had brothers, are in the church and strong. And my dad has an amazing testimony. So for me to see that perspective, I just pray and hope, you know, for the best for my children, because that's all you really can do. But I never felt like I needed to go and talk to them and like sit them down 
I just don't want to bring anything into the situation that doesn't need to be for them because they are so little and I don't know exactly what they're thinking or their perspective. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love that. Also, it, I mean, I can foresee that being kind of more so driving a wedge by saying, well, you know, dad believes this, but we believe this. Exactly. And, you know, I, exactly. I really, and I, I like never, I never try to like, tell my kids like, oh yeah, my, you know, dad is thinking this, just ignore him or he's wrong. You know, I, I just, I just bear my testimony to them. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, dad mentioned this about temp tithing and this is why I pay tithing. This is why I do it. And this is my testimony on it because that's all you can do, you know, Mm -hmm. and then they can decide for themselves. Yeah. I love that. So did you have to make any adjustments with like lifestyle changes, like drinking or language or friends or anything like that? Yeah. My husband, he's a major introvert and he's good with me and maybe one other friend. Like he doesn't need a bunch of friends. Um, he doesn't like, you know, social, social things very much. Um, I mean, he does, you know what I mean? Like he's not like seeking that out. Yeah. And so the friend thing was never an issue and drinking, um, and swearing. Um, I've never heard my husband say a swear word doesn't drink. Um, he does have green tea, but that's about as far as the word of wisdom issues, um, go. I just have to respect and, and, you know, give him his agency. Like if, but I want to say like, if that was an issue, if there was alcohol or coffee or smoking or something in that equation, there would be major boundaries in my part to make sure that my children are safe. You know, I know that I would I don't know exactly. I do know that some friends like make major boundaries like, okay, you can't drink after until the kids go to bed or like things like Mm -hmm. that. I would have major boundaries to make sure that my, first of all, my children need to be safe and I don't necessarily want that around them. So for me personally, I would make sure that that wasn't around when they were around. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't comment more on that. Right. I mean, you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but how do you keep your faith strong when like, especially during that time, you mentioned that you read the CES letter, you were like looking into the stuff that he was obviously struggling with. And what was your experience of that with like keeping your faith strong amongst like diving into all of these, you know, anti-Mormon documents? You know, it gave me a perspective that I know why maybe someone would leave. Honestly, because if I hadn't, I wouldn't have known anything. It was a very convincing letter filled with, um, you know, I I don't want to get into the technicalities of that because that's not my place. And I know you've had someone on your podcast who I absolutely love that's digging into it. I don't know his name, but I love it. Bridger. Um, Yep. Yeah. Yes. But when I read it, I was actually at the park with my kids and I, my kids were playing and I had my baby she was probably four months old, maybe three months. And I remember just clinging onto her and just like, how are we going to do this? Like, not, not in the perspective of like, I'm going to lose my faith. It's just like, how are we going to do this together? Like, we got to, we got to do this together. Like, she was my strength. She is the most perfect child you can ever have. And I love her so much. And I'm so grateful because she came at the right time, which is crazy because 
Um, I knew she was there and she was waiting, but um, I had to wait like a year to get to get her to the earth to, to have her. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew that she came at the exact right time because she probably kept me from doing some, you know, I don't know, whatever would happen, something not good. But um, I remember reading that and I didn't feel I felt so manipulated when I read that. Mm. I felt very manipulated and nearsighted. It wasn't a large perspective. It's very, look over here. I didn't feel the spirit. I felt it's convincing. I could see how someone could leave the church for the CES letter. I have an understanding of why, Mm. but I didn't feel its truth. I didn't see, I just didn't feel the spirit when I was reading it and I felt yuck and it didn't bring me closer to Christ either. I knew there yep. that it wasn't it wasn't right for sure. What how you're describing this, I'm like envisioning in my head like the CES letter is just so like linear. It's like this straight line. And it's like the gospel is like so much depth. It's like we're not talking like worldly like stuff. We're talking like the substance of life and the purpose of life and you know, what, what is beyond description to feel and to experience? And I feel like the CES letter is just so no depth. And um, yeah, Yeah. that's kind of just what I'm picturing when you're, when you're talking about that. What keeps you connected to your spouse now? Like you, you know, you mentioned you guys kind of leave that religious piece out. What keeps you guys connected today? Well, I have, a little baby. So that's made it harder, but just going out on dates is it, it. I mean, research shows no matter what, um, I think you need a minimum of like eight hours of conversation in the week or something like that to keep your marriage intact. You need to go out and it doesn't necessarily have to be something expensive. You can just go walk around target or the mall or I don't know. You know, you could, you could think of so many different things that you could do for free, but to connect, you know, that's taken us a long time because like I said, our marriage was, we had to rebuild our marriage basically. And so finding that common ground has taken time and, and space for each other to kind of figure things out. Just finding something that you both have in common and that you love and just expand there. Really, like if you like hiking, like do that often. Doing those good things that you guys are together in, that you guys both love, it will just make the world of a difference in your marriage. So I love that. I love that so much. So how do you suggest supporting a spouse or family member that is going through a faith crisis? Just loving them. Like I, I did mention that prayer, fasting temple, like, and it's not to make them believe because that's not our job. So good. That is so it's not our job. So true. It's not our job because that's heavenly father and Jesus's job. They will give every opportunity. They're, they're waiting for that person. They're waiting for them to reach out. And I pray that he will be open to feel their love. Because if he can feel their love, he, I mean, everything else, right? Just loving them 
with everything you have and, and, and relying on heavenly father and Jesus to do that because they are waiting. Mm -hmm. And so when it is their opportunity, when they do decide if that ever is in this life or, or not, that they'll be there for them. I love that. That is so good. So what did your husband say when you told him that you're coming on the podcast? <laughs> if you know my husband, then I mean, I know my husband really well. We were supposed to do the podcast a couple months ago. I don't think it was supposed to be then. I can't remember how long it was, but it was a couple months at least that we had been talking. He was a little worried about, he's like, that's not going to be my story. Like you're, you're not going to you know, it's only your perspective. And I'm like, well, that's what they want. You know, they want my perspective as a spouse because not many people, I mean, let's be honest, this takes a lot of guts. Mm -hmm. Only like four people in the world besides earth or heavenly people know about my, my husband's struggle, I guess his family too, mm -hmm. but not a lot of people know. So this is like earth shattering. Maybe there's going to be people watching this and like, I had no idea, or maybe they had suspicions. I don't know. You know, initially he was just like worried about what was his story I'm going to tell. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm going to tell my side, which takes a lot of guts, you know. Mm -hmm. But when I told him this time, he was like, he just kind of, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> if he wants to come tell his side of the story, we will have him. That'd be really cool. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. He's a we, very private person. I don't know if he'd do that. Well, so, I mean, for him to do this, it was like unwillingly, willingly letting me do this. So, you know, I do want to respect him and I hope I have respected him. He is doing the best he can and um, mm -hmm. I hope he knows that. So, Wendy's husband, you're awesome. So, just shout out <laughs> to Wendy's husband. His name is Matt. Matt. Okay. So yeah. Matt, shout out to you. You are awesome. This has been literally the most incredible episode. Just you are just oh. so inspiring. And I it's so incredible to just see how God works all things to the good of those who love him and how even the hardest challenges can be just the refining situations that we need to go through to make us who we are. And I just... I am so happy that we did this tonight. This was so amazing. And I know that there are so many people that need to hear this. And just thank you. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. My heart is like on the table right here. So and people it's, need to hear it. <laughs> yeah. I, I just I just pray that those that need to know that they're not alone, please like reach out to me if you need someone to physically talk to, because that's what I wish I had. And, you know, if you know someone that's struggling, that's one of the things that I wish like we talk about, you don't know what to do or say, but talking to the person and listening to what they have to say, a spouse that, so my husband's struggling, but listening to my side, you know, some people might talk to this, my husband, you know, what's going on, but talking to the person that is on the other side of that and um, listening to what they have to say, even if you don't understand, I just wish that there was more support yeah. for us because we, we need it. It is so hard to get through and um, reach out to me. 
I'll, I'll give you my email or, or something, but you will, it, I, I can almost guarantee you that we will have a lot of people emailing, asking for your email. So I think like the thing is, I feel like it's almost like people are afraid to like really dive into why people are in a faith crisis. I mean, there's people really, really close to me in my life that I can see that they're stepping away. And like, I don't even, like you said, it's like elephant in the room, you know, and I, I don't know what to say. And all I do is just love them exactly where they're at. And I've had my own feelings of like, Hey, they are going through exactly what they need to go through. And I, I mean, but it's still kind of awkward. Like you don't know what to say. Like you don't want to say the wrong thing, but you also, you know, and so I think just us as a whole with the church, it's like, we do feel kind of uncomfortable and it's not fair to those who are struggling and need somebody to talk to. Like we need to be open to this and know that like people are going through faith crises and like, let's be there to like love them and support them because it's really hard and challenging and let's be more open and, you know, open our hearts and be willing to be there for people. And obviously you're clearly demonstrating that with just your willingness to be a support for, you know, spouses that are going through something similar. Well, and that's something I, I think it's a theme in my life. Like I've always been that kind of carver out for new things that I've never experienced, you know, or maybe not talked about. And then those people come to me and I'm able to be that person that I wish I had. And also in my, in my ward talking with my wonderful Bishop in Austin, there was women and I knew it that were struggling with this, that had their husbands have a faith crisis and they're struggling. And I'm like, let's do support group. Unfortunately, it didn't happen because the women didn't want to come forward. And and I respect that. And I yeah. get that. And I think it's very scary to come forward. Like, mm. this is very scary for me. Like, it's huge because some family members don't even know what my experiences are. Mm-hmm. Like, this is such a hidden trial. It's hard to come yeah. forward. And I just wish that it wasn't so taboo. Like, it wasn't so pushed under the rug and just hush hush because I think that there could be a lot of good with us supporting each other. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe I need to like make a Facebook group, a su- Facebook support yes, group or please do. something. If you because can that, I will, we will share it like on the podcast. You should. Okay. Because yeah, I will. I will. Yeah. I mean, if I can be some for someone else, like I feel like we're in this life and we're trying to be the saviors for others too. Like in a little bit, we're trying to, you know, be like our savior, right? If I can be in a way um, a savior to someone or just at least a little bit lift the load in telling them that, you know, I've been through this and I know what you're feeling Mm -hmm. and it sucks. Every trial that we're in is not for naught. So if I could do anything to lift that load, I will do it. So I'm going to make a Facebook page. I love it. Well, you make that and then you tell me and then I'm going to I'm going to post about it okay. so everybody can find it. Like I want to go into the screen of those that are like so in a dark place and I want to give them a hug. I wish I could. Yeah. And people need to hear this so much, so much. So I'm so just I'm so excited. I'm such a mess. Thank you for like dealing with my emotions here. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. Awesome. Thank- hey. 
Yeah, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Hey guys, first off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help, so thank you so much. I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media, so I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, There's a list of our book club selections, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.